you know, you should make everyone laugh at the same time. And I'm like, eh, overrated. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of In the Springs. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. On today's show, I sit down with veteran stand-up comedian and all-around good guy, the very funny Mr. Robert Hawkins. This episode was recorded on September 26th at the legendary Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. So without further ado, please sit back and enjoy, because comedian Robert Hawkins is in the springs. Well, these are light. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to chew gum, but I'm going to be very con- not at all. conscious not of not smacking it. <laughs> we'll just do 30 minutes of that. <laughs> Let's put it on the edge of my bottle there. There you go. Is it sounding right in your head? Yeah. All right. So we got... Uh, you talking about the podcast? Or? The podcast or yeah. the voices, whatever whatever's yeah. going on up there. <laughs> Mr. Robert Hawkins in the springs. And Len Thomas in the bathroom. The middle act just came out of the bathroom. <laughs> you puking, buddy? Nervous? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, closer. Closer is funnier. <laughs> well, Robert, I had a chance to uh, catch your uh, early show Saturday here at Looney's. Congrats. Great, great stuff, man. That was, and no no BS. That okay, was, cool. Thanks. That was a I lot of fun. I never know who's bullshitting me, but... <laughs> but uh, I had fun. And, nice. That's yeah. all. That, that's all that matters. So now you and I had talked uh, just briefly before we got on mic, and uh, you haven't been in town for for quite some time. Yeah, I used to work the uh, loonies here about once a year. I'd say probably five times or something. And then the the last time was 1996. And I have no other reason to give you except that I'm better than these people. You know what I mean? <laughs> At some point, you gotta. <laughs> We get that. They don't lot. deserve me. We get that a lot yeah. here in Colorado Springs. I don't know what happened. It just never came up. Yeah. <laughs> so let's uh, let's let's start at the start. When did you get into comedy, and and kind of more importantly, why and uh, why do you keep doing it, and 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 certainly how'd you end up back here at Looney's? <laughs> I started technically in 1990, February 12th. But I had attempted to be funny before, you know, right, as right. a kid and everything. So. It, it was always in the back of my mind, and then one day I pulled the trigger in Dallas, and it was at a uh, medieval inn. They had a medieval inn with a little room they did comedy in. It's my first time, and it was everything that you hear, super nervous and crazy. Yeah. Yep. And then I, my, <clears throat> my deal was I didn't want to bother anybody. You know, I thought I was funny. I'd been told I was funny. I didn't want to bother anybody. If I wasn't funny that night, I would never have gone. If, if I didn't get laughs... I wouldn't have pursued it. Yeah. And then after a while, I thought, okay, well, I could do this. But then I said, hold on. Here's the new rule. Three bad sets in a row, you got to go. So I've had those really bad sets, you know, where you're like, oh, man. <sighs> but I got two more. <laughs> I got two more. I, I make the rules. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now, were you a fan of, of stand-up before you got on stage yeah, in, in course, 1990? Yeah. Of course, yeah. My entire life. Yeah. And anybody in particular that really... You know, kind of clicked with you and, and rattled around in your head where it's like, hey, I want to, I want to be that, that person. Well, uh, as a kid, I, I crawled around on, we had albums, you know, and, you know, Bill Cosby, uh, uh, Smothers Brothers, um, somebody named <laughs> Bootsy Collins or something like that. I think my dad probably bought that at a, at a nightclub, <laughs> you know. Right, right. Yeah, Bootsy's selling merch after the show. Yeah, yeah. You know? um, and who else was... Uh, we had two Smothers Brothers albums, uh, Flip Wilson, 
but those were just the early, real early. Oh, and of course, uh, how could I leave out uh, the guy whose name I can't think of? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's probably why you left it out. <laughs> no, listen, you have to cut that, dude. Uh, Bob. Bob. Because when I tell you, you're gonna say, you're gonna say, <laughs> you're right. I'm gonna cut cut that out. <laughs> no, hold on a second. I can't think of his freaking name. Steve Martin? No, he he just died recently, and it's it's so bad that Robin I can't. Williams. No, no? Uh, the other the, the Robin Williams is hero. Oh oh, uh, I, Jonathan Winters. Jonathan Winters. It's, okay, there we go. All right, ask me the question again. Fair enough. All right, so. We'll just add I'm, it. I'm not cutting any of this shit out. Come on, man. <laughs> Who can't think of... I'm drinking. I'm we're, thinking, both, we're both sweating here. All I'm thinking about is me. So Jonathan Winters... Now, Absolutely now, Jonathan Winters. Now, those guys were very character-driven, though. I mean, even the Smothers Brothers, to a degree, was a very... Uh, uh, almost like a vaudeville type act. I mean, is that something that when you first started? Because the, the act tonight that I saw, it's very conversational. It's very interactive with the crowd. Has that... Has that? Uh, uh, have you kind of transformed yourself over the years, or did you start off with that type of that type of affect on stage? Well, um, no, I didn't start out with that effect. No. Yeah. Did you say affect or a- affect? Yeah. Is it affect or? I think so. Affect is like your persona on stage. Is that like Casey affect. Casey Aff- No, that's Ben. Oh, okay, my bad. Ben affect. Uh, uh, no, I was just having fun with these people tonight. You know, it, it, I was. I thought that you should just be the only one talking. Yeah. You know, but, you know, just having fun with them. Yeah. But it's a good mix, uh, those those people. Uh, Jonathan Winters, Bill Cosby, Smothers Brothers, Flip Wilson, and then everybody that was on TV. Yeah. And then later on, you know, I, I listened to uh, a, few, a lot of people. But I, I've, I've since stopped consuming uh, stand-up. Oh, no kidding. Well, I mean, the people I work with and my friends, and yeah, every yeah. once in a while, I'll catch people. But... Uh, you know, some people are like, they, you know, they watch everything. They watch every comic. They listen to satellite radio, and they listen to every comic on there. And um, that's fine, but what are you doing? You just, are, you just, are you just shopping or, you know? Yeah. You, I want to laugh, and I love stand-up, but I, I just want, I don't want to consume it as much as I used to. Now, is that just because it kind of seeps into your consciousness and you're yeah. afraid you're... Yeah, because if, if, if you consume that much, you know, you can get a little lost. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've seen it happen to other people. So yeah, I just I just want to hear what what I'm as far as stand up goes. I just want to hear what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but so, of course I have favorites, you know. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I mean, any any contemporary favorites that you? Yeah, there's uh, several that I wouldn't miss, you know, for the world. Uh, yeah, you know, Chappelle, uh, but David Tell is probably my favorite all time comic that's living. Uh, people you don't know, you know, Johnny Steele out in San Francisco, Will Durst. Um, there's people I won't miss. Yeah. Margaret Cho. Now, is there any common thread with those comedians? Is there anything about them that you... No. They're just good and they're funny and they're my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Now, at what point when you first started doing stand-up did this turn into, now this is what I do for a living? Was there an actual moment, you know, kind of line in the sand where it's like, you know what, I'm going to do this? Yeah, I got fired uh, from my job out in uh, East Texas. Just east of Dallas. Okay. I had a job where if you were late, you got like a step. They called it a step. You get a total of nine steps when you work at this. It was the airplane plant called E-Systems. And I was in parts control. So, yeah. 
Sounds good, right? And so I was doing comedy at night, all night, and and showing up at work late, and I kept stepping. And it's called stepping out. Not, it, it, it's not nine steps. It's nine half steps, or, or a total of 18 steps. Oh, my gosh. So if you don't get to work and phone in that you're there on time, or if you, I don't know what, a million things can get you to step out. And so finally I stepped out. And uh, they, the, uh, some of the directors and people there brought me in to have a meeting, and there was several dudes in there in that office. And they said, well, we, you know, we got to let you go. You stepped out. And uh, my, what I said to them was, is there any way and is there anything I can do at this point that would allow me to keep this job? <laughs> and they said, no. And I said, okay. And from then on, I was a comic. Now, this is kind of a weird question, but do you think that... <laughs> I wasn't ready to lose my job. I, I mean, was going to say... A, it, I was setting my ways, you know. You, but, you do something for a few years. You, but was comedy sort of a fallback where maybe part of you was like, you know what, if I lost this job, I might go head first into this comedy thing. No, and see not, what probably not till then. Yeah. Yeah. And so just at that moment, you decided, well, I'm not going to get another day job. I'm going to go ahead and give this comedy thing a roll. Well, I ended up having to get other day jobs too, you know. Right, right. Temp, temp work, uh, bookstore, you name it. Yeah. Uh, work the door at the improv. And but, but after you lost the... The 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 manu- what was it a manufacturing job is that what it you was were doing? Yeah, airplane airplane manufacturing gotcha so you did you go on the road at that point did you reach out to other comedians to like hey man I got to figure out how to make some money doing this or how did that evolve for you because I think one of the themes that's come up on the podcast is I think what a lot of folks may not realize is that most stand up comedians you're the booker and the travel agent and uh, you know you manage the merchandise and so how did you kind of get that momentum going where it's like I, I need to get paying gigs mm. I didn't really care I, you know when I got my first paying opening gig that was a big thing you know and then uh, I got a few more of those and I, I, I still had a job I, I had to uh, uh, keep some some temporary work in Dallas but then um when I started the middle, that was also a big thing, but I never took it for granted. It's like, eventually they're going to kick me out of this. And then, so I guess, I don't know. Uh, 1994 was when I, I, I got my first headline gig, I guess. It was yeah. 94, 94. It was, I was four years in, I know that. And somebody was nice enough to give me, to trust me <laughs> yeah. to headline. And it went really well. Drank too much. <laughs> 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 so I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at: at what point did you look in the mirror and go, "All right, Robert, you're you're a professional comedian now. This is what you do." This well, is what I held you off. Do. I held off for years, even even telling anybody. In fact, I remember telling my sister after having been on stage a few times. I, I said, "I'm doing stand-up comedy now. Don't tell mom." <laughs> now, why is that though? What because was because the... it was just a little lark. It was just a lark for me. And if it, it, you know, if I have to just do this for a short time and then go on about my business, then no one needs to know that I ever even tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you, it's none of your business. <laughs> so did you, in your head, did you have, you know, like you said, you had kind of the three strikes you're out idea, kind you know, three bad sets or whatever. Yeah. Kind of the flip side of that, did you have, you know, hey, in a year's time, I want to be headlining or I want to be on the road or yeah. I want to work with this. Yeah, this I set act. all those goals. I set all the, I literally, you know, wrote them out. And they never really went past um, headlining and maybe getting a TV credit. Nothing went past that. Yeah. Um, it should have, perhaps. <laughs> but, but, but you got both of those things, though. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, I don't have, I don't really have a voice. I'm just kind of a, a funny guy, just kind of an idiot. Um, I can, I can talk forever, you know, uh, and, and always be cracking jokes. But I don't have a. There's nothing I want to give to America and those people that have something to give, a voice that they've always had, and this, this desire to, you know, impart something to the people. Those are the people that should have the opportunities, and I will be out of their way. Well, I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit, though. What do you What do you mean by that? Because well, I just I, like to make people laugh, but there's nothing. There's no big overview about my family that we can make into a half hour episodic. There's no uh, movie in my mind, except from you know, I, I have lots of stories from my experience, and I'm happy to write them out and perhaps punch them up. But there's not going to be something that I always you know was was cooking up. But but you don't think <laughs> that the um, you know the kind of the story of your life. Is, is compelling enough. I mean, because I think like a, a comedian like Brian Regan, for instance, I, I picture him as really not having, he's, he doesn't have a message. There's nothing deeper than, than the jokes he's telling on stage. Like you said, you use your words, he's an idiot. You know, and he, he likes to make people laugh. But, you know, he's got, you know, kind of that momentum where he's doing theaters and different things yeah. like that. I mean, so is that something that is still on your radar as far as, you know, you're doing loonies now, are there still goals that you that you write out or things that you're shooting for that in, at least in your as, mind would be just as long as people will still pay me and trust me to go up there and, and be funny for 45 or 50 how much did I do tonight how, how long did I go tonight <laughs> we're trying to figure out how long he was on stage tonight 45 50 57 minutes is what the official really time was <laughs> what were we talking about? <laughs> no idea. Oh, uh, 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 things are yeah. I don't really have a goal, man. I don't have. Um, there's not. Uh, you know, sure, surely, surely, my family's interesting, but there's not a whole lot I, I care to uh, talk about. Yeah. In concerning them, so you know, there's a lot of guys out there in Hollywood or wherever New York that they're like, you gotta know about my family. You've gotta know my dad is such a crazy guy, and my mom is such a thing, 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 thing. Uh, yeah, mine are, my dad's a crazy guy. My mom's like, too, but I don't give a shit. But do you think it has to be <laughs> It has to be something that, that personal or where it couldn't be just funny yeah. for the sake of being funny? Yeah, I'm, I'm very, you know, it's, I'm not going too deep yeah. in my act. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> so are you a, a pen to paper kind of guy when you're working on material? Or how do you come up with what you actually want to say on stage? Where do those, where do those ideas manifest? Mm, the, the pen to paper, I think, is the best way. And uh, if you you know if you really want volume, you're going to have to write all the time. Yeah, and that's fine. That's great. That's fun. You know, but um, you know, sometimes I'm lazy, and it's just like you're talking with friends, and you you start laughing about something that you know is that you said that that's original. You know, you're not just quoting some other joke that you heard. But right, right. Now it's original, and you think in your head immediately there's a little microfish in my head that goes, can it be used? Will it be fixed? Can it, you know, <laughs> will it have lasting power? And then you, then you know when you say, you should write that down, right? And then you tell the other guy, you got to write that down. Yeah. So I'll find a place for it, you know. And do you have a, a three-strikes you're out for jokes? Like when you get on stage, I'm going to try it. Nah, that that didn't work. I'm gonna try it again. Didn't yeah, work. I, I let them go easy. Yeah, <laughs> I let them go easy. But, but I am also stubborn. If I'm, I'm like, I'm sure this is funny. And if it's not, you know, sometimes I get like two or three people laugh. That's I'm I'm notorious. I had a manager at one point. And he told me, you know, you should make everyone laugh at the same time. And I'm like, eh, overrated. 
I love to see like, like nobody one, laughing and then, one at a time. and then one lady inverted in her chair with her feet up, you know. <laughs> it's happened. Yeah. So <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is going great, Robert. It was in Addison, Texas, as a matter of fact, it. I can tell you. Yeah. Inverted. Inverted. Feet? I did something that was I don't know what it was, dude. I don't know what it was, but the whole crowd was was stunned. I think it was something about Rwanda, and I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it. <laughs> but it got her feet up. <laughs> <laughs> so now, do you? Uh, I know some some comedians are pretty uh, compulsive about they record everything, they re-listen to everything, they try to you know really get madness-esque with it and, and dissect their set. I mean, have, did you go through a phase where you were? A little more compulsive about that or do you even do that now where you're listening back to, to sets that you did to try to figure out what worked what didn't work why that's the best way to get to get better is to you know review your act either an audio file or a, or a video and in the beginning you should be doing it all the time I think um, I did sure I was you know uh, what, what was the word you used uh, like Madden where you're in there just kind of analyzing everything and yeah but you can you can do it too much though make yourself sick of yourself and, um and so if, if you want to get better, that's definitely the best thing to do. Is, and record a lot, in my opinion, because uh, uh, if you just say, I'm going to record Friday because it's going to be the best show of the week. It always is at that club. Then you record that show, and then somebody knocks it over, runs out of batteries, so, you know, right, right. whatever. You suck. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the beginning. But there's a freedom now. That I can kind of do it all in my head, if you will. Yeah. Uh, ish. But then, see, I just made another CD. I made another collection of jokes. And that's the one, Get Out of Me? Get Out of Me, nice. buddy, with an exclamation point. Absolutely. I'm really bad at naming albums. Anyway, <laughs> but, it, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's not simple. It's not super hard, but it's not simple to make the CD. So the lazy guy is making the CD now, and now I'm, I'm recording myself. I'm reviewing myself. I'm editing myself in the name of this audio file. And in the process, I'm doing all those things that you just said as, that I did when I started, which is to review and look and dissect and all that and then sure enough when the cd is done because of all that uh attention you've paid to it now you've got new tags this flows better that's a better bit and you're like god dang it don't buy this cd it's shit <laughs> so what is that what is that process like for you because this is your third cd you put out yeah fourth fourth okay mm -hmm. and so when when you finally pull the trigger on okay i'm going to produce another cd what is that process like because i think a lot of guys once they produce that cd it's like i've got to let this material go now oh no i'm not gonna yeah no nah, i mean there, some some bits you just lose the passion for them but some bits could be 12 years old and you're like i still love that bit and so does everybody else yeah <laughs> so i mean that's just they fall behind I, i've had this this guy uh here lauren He's like, do the bit with the arm coming out of the head and the girl bowling i'm like jesus if i could remember it i wouldn't want to do it <laughs> So you've you've reached greatest hits status with Lauren. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do do you en enjoy the the process of of producing a CD? Because I think, like you said, it's sometimes it's kind of painful or frustrating to listen to yourself and and really start to nitpick and. Well, you know, I, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself just because it works, I guess. Uh, so in the taping, you know, you you are uh, the show is different because you're taping. Doesn't matter. It's like having your mom in the front row. It's going to be a different show than if she wasn't there. So you've got the camera going. You want everything to go right. You're sort of producing it yourself, and your, your mind's going a few different places, and you've got to tape a bunch, I think, especially for, like, an audition tape. I think an audition tape, you don't just say, oh, I'll get you one. 
I'll tape it on Friday, send it to you on Monday. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, it's tape. If you've got a hot five or ten, tape it. Tape it all the time. And then get a good one, the best one. And then someone says, do you have an audition tape? And then hand it to them. That's the way I think you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. Does that happen a lot nowadays where, you know, having that, uh, you know, kind of press kit type idea, is that something that's still pretty common in the industry right now? Or well, is the it... press kit has changed over. Since when I, when I started, you mailed things out to people yeah. and just hoped and just waited. Yeah. Even if they wanted you immediately, it would take you two weeks to find out, you know. And so, we'd, you know, we'd, we'd stuff the envelopes with pictures and write funny jokes on the draw pictures on, you know. You know the guy that writes fag on his own headshot because it's edgy, right? <laughs> I get it. I'm down. I'm a big fag. I'm, I, I'm, I'm humble. I'm really funny, but I'm fag. Come on. And then you would wait, you know, to, that maybe they would get in touch with you to go middle yeah. in Florida or whatever. And now it's just bang. But no, I mean, that's it, comics are out all the time at uh, auditions and people come around from festivals and just come see the show. They say, hey, man, I really liked what you did. Uh, can you get me a tape? Sure. And then you mean it because you've already made the tape. Yeah. yeah. So how, do you think, and this is kind of a generic question, but do you think the state of stand-up comedy is better or worse from when you first started until now? Because I, I think, like you kind of alluded to, it's changed quite a bit, you know, with... Uh, you know, I think it's popular again. And it wasn't when I started. Yeah. It was sort of that ebb or that, you know, the dip. In, after the 80s I started in 90 so it was like people were kind of like yeah we get it your, your uncle was nuts and yeah we get it you're from Boston you talk funny we get it we get it you're black it's tough <laughs> they, they're, they're way ahead of you you know yeah but uh, <laughs> I mean do you what, what do you mean by do you think it's popular again what, what, what has changed or what is mm. you know what's been your well some people thought like Comedy Central hurt the live business maybe they were right I don't know that because people could stay home and watch it on TV, they wouldn't need to go out to the bars and, and you know, see it live. But uh, I think that sort of boomeranged back around where they want to come out and see the people they saw on TV and stuff, you know? Yeah. And, and there's, you know, sure there's a shit ton of comics out there. Yeah. Well, and I think Looney's is kind of a testament to that. I mean, I think Colorado Springs, obviously, it's a small market, but the club in one form or another has been up and running for... I don't know, 30, 30 plus years. And so I think the idea of, yeah, yeah. This one? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Yeah, because I, I, you know, started with Jeff Valdez and that was in, I'm guessing the late 80s, early 90s and they're still, still kicking. And I think there's nothing that can replicate that live show experience. Like you said, you can watch it on TV, but when you're sitting shoulder to shoulder with somebody and you got a couple beers in you, it's a, it's a completely different experience than watching yeah. it alone. Well, I just, I've never stopped being a, uh, a spectator as well, because let's be honest, man, there's, there's enough comedy. There's enough entertainment in the world. There's too much, actually. I know people are, you know, like, do you watch, do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? Yeah, I watch it once in a while. You watch Walking Dead? Nah, I haven't caught that one. You watch, uh, you know, The Good Wife? No, nah, it just goes on and right. on. What do you do all day? <laughs> just DVR stuff and there's watch a, it? Yeah, yeah, isn't there a world out there, a real one for you? Yeah. Let's be, let's be honest. Comedy is in good hands. There's tons of funny people out there, and, they, and it's great, you know. Um, but I, I would go to a comedy club when I wasn't a comic because I wanted to take a date, maybe, to something besides a movie. 
you can't just keep going to movies over and over and over. Yeah. And if and besides, even a good comedy in the theater, half the time I laugh like six or twelve times. You know, if it's really funny. Yeah. Really, you know, solid laughs. But the comedy club, you know, you get a guy that's good. You might cough up a lung. I, <laughs> and, and in fact, I suggest sitting in the sitting in the back at a comedy club. Not all the way back, but just far enough back that you can get laugh at the other people in front of you as well as the comic. Because I went to a, a show one time, and I forget who it was, but I didn't even think the guy that was, was that funny. But he was killing the guy next to me. And this guy had a, an oxygen tank. He was an old guy. He was in a wheelchair. Oxygen tank. Tubes into his nose, and he is just slinging snot. He was like, ah, ah, just punching. Just like De Niro in Cape Fear in the front. It was just snot. And it was, it was great for me. It did, I didn't care about the comic on stage. I was just enjoying watching someone laugh that hard. Yeah. God. Thing of beauty. Well, that, that's actually kind of a good... I was going to ask you, you know, being on the road and, 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 and playing different clubs in different cities, what, what do you still... Get, what's exciting for you about it? I mean, as far as being a road comic or being out of, you know, just being out, being out in these in these clubs and doing a, a club here like in, you know, in Colorado Springs tonight, I think there was, I don't know, 75, 80 folks. That, you know, it wasn't a sold out show, but it was a, a good room. Yeah, they were fun. Yeah, and so what's, you know, what what keeps you going? What's your, what's your motivation at this point in your career? Hmm, good question. At this point. You trying to say something? Yeah. Now that you're and on your way out. What's your motivation? <laughs> yeah. Now that you have none. Right. <laughs> In spite of. Uh, the... Well, you know, I don't know, man. Um, trying to travel less. You know, I would do comedy every night in a, in a place I felt comfortable or whatever. But uh, I don't really have any, um, you know. The business is, is a solitary business. I was just telling uh, the other guy today that, you know, when we were younger, we'd go out till four, you know, chasing a, a girl down, four in the morning. And you were so young that you weren't even tired. You could pass, you know, you could pass a sobriety check. If you, you know, so, yes, I'm drunk, but I'm 24. Okay, go on. <laughs> you know, uh, and you just, you know, all that energy. But now it's like, I don't really want to go running out around till four o'clock. Then finally get a girl back to the hotel after begging you know and then i can't even get it up it's not that's not my budget doesn't have viagra in it i've seen the cost of those you ever see a viagra on the floor you're like i don't know where that's been but i'll take it no but look i mean i told you on stage it's like i don't really age hasn't really affected my uh, <clears throat> erections but at four in the morning, you know, I'm going to be 50, some freckle-faced 25-year-old still in college or whatever. You're like, look, uh, can we just snuggle? Then you can't get rid of her. No, I'm kidding. I don't know what I'm even talking about. <laughs> What's my motivation? Well, it's not. It, what I'm trying to say is it's not Percy anymore. <laughs> Percy is not the motivation. Um, and without that, what else? <laughs> Uh, actually, I try to combine things, you know, uh, for example, me in the middle act, Brent Thomas, uh, rode bikes, rode our mountain bikes up here and some class A stuff up here Yeah, yeah. every single day. And then we told jokes at night. Now that's a good experience, you know, where it's a bad experience is they book you in Des Moines. It's snowed in, you're in a micro tell, you know, microwaving another burrito or eating some Andy cap French fries out of the, I, tw I swear to God, dude, in St. Louis one time we were snowed in and I don't have any vehicle, you know, 
You go broke if you try to be comfortable. And I ate out of that vending machine the entire weekend. That was my entire diet. You know, the little hot links and the handicapped french fries and shaking the machine. <laughs> oh, my God. You just get stuck sometimes. Yeah. But I don't know what you're, what you're getting at. Motivation, uh, just the next joke. Just the next solid joke, you know, that, you, that everybody goes, hey, man, pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you ever have those periods where you feel like, I'm out of jokes. I can't, how could I possibly think of anything else to yeah, you caught me, put you, something on pop? And you caught me at a crossroads, to be honest with you, because another motivation for me all along was to see, to see the world. Yeah. Or as much of it as I could. And sure enough, because, of the, because we were nice enough to invade Iraq, uh, <laughs> I got to go over there and see what the shit looked like. It was, it was dusty and people are pissed. But I got to go yeah. to a place that I used to look at in National Geographic and go, man, you never get to go there. No one goes there. Why wouldn't? But now I went over there and got to experience that and entertain the troops. And I've been to 19 countries or something now. And, and uh, that was motivation, too. But that's sort of wearing off of me as well. I'm just, you know, I'm going to be 50 next year. Yeah. I don't mind telling you. Wait, let's edit that. <laughs> First of all, I did not forget Jonathan Winters' name. And he's 45. And I'm 46. <laughs> You know, and I think that's the thing where, you know, I think, not to get philosophical or, or anything, but I think life in general, when you're in it and there's, and there's tough circumstances, it's, it's tough. But when you can look back at those tough circumstances, and like you said, it, it created opportunities for you to travel overseas and, and to see parts of the world. Right. You know, there's a certain beauty to that where you've, you had to eat out of a vending machine, but oh, by the way, I also got to go to Iraq and... Oh, well, I wouldn't put Iraq on the other <laughs> side of the scale. <laughs> there wasn't that much better yeah, that, than the No, and, and I wouldn't even put the vending machine as the lowest point. I, I, I didn't come here prepared to tell you either, either polar opposite. Sure, 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 yeah. But uh, you, have to, you have to edit these pauses. How did you let me mention Bill Cosby without saying anything? <laughs> I have a poster of him on my wall oh, that has a whole different meaning. Because everyone's convinced that he was, he's the devil. That's a heartbreaker. I mean, if, yeah. if even 10% of that is true, it's a heartbreaker. Yeah, I think there was like a... I think he's not the only one, is my, only, is my point. Yeah. But that doesn't justify anything, right? You yeah. can't just say, well, Sean Penn did it. No, it doesn't. <laughs> you don't punch women. Why would you throw Sean We Penn? don't punch women. We don't drug people without their knowledge. <laughs> These are horrible things, but it just blows my mind. It, it's got to blow your mind too, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. Because he's, you know, he didn't. He had. He could get any woman he wanted, basically. Right. It's a. It's a sickness. I mean, because I, I think you and I are about the same age, and and I I grew up. I mean, literally grew up with him. He was in my living room every Thursday night or whatever, you know, whenever the Cosby Show was on, and and and, and the image that he has or had relative to what these accusations are yeah. they just nothing clicks at all yeah it's just it's very matrix like too yeah. you want the blue pill or the red pill you see now i'm gonna put on the robe and i'll be out momentarily you be asleep i can't have any heroes anymore bro i can't that's the deal yeah i'm gonna be giving you all my algero uh, albums uh, my cds of algero are out in the car and i'm giving them to the to the audience because i can't have heroes anymore man between you know cosby and uh and uh, Aaron Hernandez and, and Lance Armstrong and the list goes on and on and on of people who I love and then 
I just figure if I love you, something bad's going to happen. So I'm getting rid of my Al Jarreau because you're going to find out that he's got some girls tied up in a basement somewhere. Long and tall and oh so hungry. The girl who's tied to the wall is crying and ah, she's crying. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I can't have heroes, brother. It bothers me. Well, you know, the thing is, <clears throat> and I'm going to end it on this, is I think, I think the thing is, and I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to kiss your ass, but guys like you are the heroes where you're, you're getting out and you're doing your job and you're making people laugh and that's about it. And that's, that's what's important. And, and same with Brent Thomas, you're, you're featured tonight. I mean, he had such great things to say about you and, and his admiration for you and, and the work that you've done. And to me, that's, that's the heroic thing. These guys that, you know, you don't have the Thursday night sitcom and all that kind of stuff, but well, it's not you her- love I don't what think you do. The, I don't think the, uh, the staff would think it's very heroic if they, some of them have to go home because I'm that fucking, that completely anonymous. Um, you know, I, I would expect to maybe draw a few more people. But, yeah, but the thing is, is if you're funny to the staff, they'll keep bringing you anyway. Absolutely. They, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you know, and the, and the folks that were here tonight, I mean, this was a moment that they'll talk about. And I know that sounds corny, but I guarantee you when they go to work on Monday, they're going to go, man, we went to Looney's Saturday night. This guy was awesome. Yeah. yeah, hopefully they don't. I went too fast for them to remember. Because I used to do that, too. You know, you go see a comic. You're like, oh, that's funny. I'm going to tell it at work tomorrow. Right, right. I go too fast. They're like, yeah, you don't. Um, uh, never mind. <laughs> when people whistle when they speak. uh Something I, about snoring. <laughs> you do it. You did it. It was funny. And then they just completely ruin it. Yeah, yeah. And who knows? They could have had a good shot, but they just have bad memories. Yeah. They could have been somebody. No, I don't know. Um, a, uh, I don't know. A hero. I don't know. Well, I mean, I do. I mean, I'm not, you know, like I said, I'm not trying to pump you up or, or kind of I'm make a, a false I'm a hero statement. Too. I'm a hero to a guy that's got married, had three kids with a woman that he found out he hated, got divorced. Now he's scrambling because she's working him like a puppet and she's being helped by the government and now he's miserable and everything and he's like god damn i was gonna be a comic i remember i was funny in college absolutely and, yeah. and i was gonna be a comedian and it's like so they you know they some of them people live vicariously through comedians i think yeah you know or anybody like a rock star yeah you know, you're like hmm but they you know the grass is always greener which means it's always browner and um you know you can get anything you want in life. I, I, I've really come to believe that. Uh, just be careful what you want. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect, man. Yeah. Well, Robert Hawkins, man, it was a pleasure meeting you. And Thank you, brother. Love having you here in Colorado Yeah, I, I, I got your email, and I was like, now nah, what? Because, uh, you know, you never know. It's Absolutely. Like, I'm yeah, doing yeah. a podcast. In fact, there's five of us doing podcasts. In my and van. Yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah. It's five of us in one mic, <laughs> and it's shaped like a dick. No. But then I listened to a couple of them. Oh, years good. Ago. Yeah, good. I listened to uh, uh, Bill Ingvalls and, um, and Troy Baxley. Oh, very cool. Yeah, very I, didn't, cool. I didn't forget that name. Nice, he's a, nice. He's another one. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, he's funny. So, and, it, and I said, oh, well, this guy's not an idiot. Excellent. <laughs> he needs one on his show. <laughs> nice. That's going on the clip there. Excellent. <laughs> well, guy. thanks so much, yeah, Robert. Enjoy your... <laughs> he's not an idiot. Get the fuck out of here. All right. See you later. So there you have it, the very funny Mr. Robert Hawkins. My thanks to Robert for taking time out of his schedule to be on the podcast. Thank you to the legendary Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. The In the Springs podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. You can follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore MetaJunk. 
Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. Springs.